Alright, before we really get into this episode, I want to talk to you guys about an upcoming American Outlaws event on July 14th and July 15th. If you don't know, the USMNT is playing Nicaragua on July 15th in their last group stage match of the Gold Cup. The American Outlaws are going to throw some festivities to get us hype for that match. It's going to go as follows. The night before the match, from 7pm to midnight, there will be a pub crawl throughout Cleveland uh, between three bars, the Old Angle, Nano Brew, and ABC The Tavern. There will be beer and food specials at each location, and we're going to be there too, probably recording an episode, and I will be with Nihal. Nihal will be part of it recording the episode. So Nihal's going to be back. That's really exciting. And we're probably also going to be asking you guys questions that we'll either use in a poll or um, as an excerpt in the beginning of our podcast because we've done stuff like that. Check out our Euro episode if you want an example of what that sounds like. It's pretty cool. Um, but either way, we're going to be we're going to be helping USMNT fans get hyped because we are USMNT fans and it's going to be really fun that night. But the festivities don't stop there. On the next day from 2 to 6, July 15th, um, there will be another event that will involve tailgating, food, beer, again, near First Energy Stadium. If you want more information on that stuff, you can go to American Outlaws online and check out their social media. Hello, soccer fans. Welcome to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar. This is episode number 73, and I'm excited to talk to you guys today about the USMNT versus Panama Gold Cup game amongst transfer rumors and other things going on in the soccer world. Before we get started, I'd like to apologize if I happen to cough or sniffle in this episode. I am a little sick, but I did want to get out this episode before, um, get this episode out, excuse me, before the game versus Martinique. So, Without further ado, why don't we get into it? The USMNT played Panama on July 8th in Tennessee to a 1-1 draw. We were coming off a 2-1 win against Ghana in a friendly uh, where we looked pretty positive. But um, in this game, we saw some of the same players like Kellen Rowe and uh, Dom, D- Dom Dwyer. But unfortunately, the, uh, <laughs> the, the some of the players may have been the same, but the product was not the same from the U.S. And as we looked flat and unexciting for most of the game, and managed to give up a lot of chances. We were outshot by Panama and only managed to score one goal, and um, we we really couldn't have asked for many more goals. If we, if, if we were to say, like, oh, we could have scored more goals, well, we also could have given up a lot more. So um, I don't mean to be too negative, but why don't I just get into the goals, and I'll talk more about the players uh, that we saw out there, and... Um, our performance as a whole. So for the first goal, which was by the U.S., Kellen Rowe did brilliantly to get around two Panamanians. Um, really good footwork and really nice dribbling. And then crosses it to Dom Dwyer, who um, comes to the ball away from Panamanian defender Chen and strikes it to the far right post with his strong left foot. And uh, it was a good strike. It was like Landon Donovan said, it was very, it was a striker's goal. And Dom Dwyer showing more of that uh, run-making ability and the ability to create chances uh, from crosses in the final third. So uh, it, it was a good goal. Um, I, I don't think Dom Dwyer did as well to get those kind of chances as he did against Ghana, but that might have been uh, from our wing play and midfielders. But uh, and then, but I'll move on to the, uh, the next goal by Panama, and that came from Miguel Camarga. Uh, Yoel Barcenas beats Kellen Rowe. On the dribble at the end, Kellen Rowe could have just contained Barcenas, but he chooses to slide and gets beaten even more. And um, uh, Barcenas crosses into Gabriel Torres, who does test Guzan, but uh, the save isn't really good enough, and it deflects back out on the edge of the box. And Miguel, Carma- Miguel Camargo um, dribbles around a few defenders and cleans it up 
finishes it for Panama and ties it at 1-1. So the goal, you know, I mean, it was like a pretty good by Barcenas to, sorry about that pronunciation, to, to beat those defenders and score the goal. But like, the, the fact is, is that there were a lot of chances happening in those 15 minutes and really any of them could have gone in. Um, so, I mean, particularly the one that I'm thinking of right now is in the 55th minute when uh, Diaz missed a, missed a wide open sitter. Um, after Torres tested Guzan, so Torres could have scored that chance, and then Diaz um, had a second chance there, and he was like two yards from goal, but skied it. That was one of the worst misses I've ever seen. So really, you can't say that you know that that goal was like a one-off opportunity that went in, and you know it's okay because it, it's not. Um, but why don't I go through each of the players more individually now? Um, so Brad Guzan, I thought had a had a solid game. Uh, he was forced to make a, a couple of good saves. And he was really he was there when we needed him. I mean, I don't think the saves were always the cleanest or one in the best positions. I mean, I just mentioned two instances where he saved it, and Panama had more chances following the save. But he did he did make a couple of good saves that that went out for corners, and he did make a couple of good saves that completely stopped Panamanian opportunities going forward. So I think overall he had a decent game. I hope he can start to get more starting minutes uh, after his transfer to Atlanta and. Um, but realistically, I think that I want to see Tim Howard right now as the number one, and I know he's not in this tournament, but Tim Howard right now is the number one, and Bill Hamid, uh, you know, as the future goalkeeper. Bill Hamid or even Ethan Horvath would be my picks, but I, I don't see why we need to have Brad Guzan. But either way, he was solid. Um, and then we played we played a four two three one. So our four defenders uh, were Jorge Villafania, Omar Gonzalez, Matt Beasler, and. Um, Graham Susie and Jorge Villafania <coughs> excuse me, um, looked good in the first half on the attacking end at least, and he almost had an assist to Kellen Rowe. Uh, he, he did really well to beat a Panamanian defender and get a pass to Kellen Rowe, who had pretty much, uh, he was pretty much one-on-one with a keeper, but he he just shot it straight at him in the 26th minute. So um, I thought that he, he looked really good going forward. But um, he was sometimes prone to defensive lapses, which I usually don't say a lot about him. But in this game, I don't know, it wasn't going well for our defenders. Um, Much like Omar Gonzalez, whose passing was poor, and his marking in the second half uh, led to a couple Panamanian chances. Uh, He just wasn't doing his job, was ball-watching sometimes. He wasn't marking defenders, so I, I was unimpressed with him. Matt Beasler was okay in the first half, and... Then in the second half, he kind of looked like the rest of the team and started to drop off. So, I mean, I think these two defenders aren't going to be our starting defenders, barring injury. It's going to be Matt Bees, or sorry, John Anthony Brooks and Jeff Cameron. But Omar Gonzalez, I don't even think he should necessarily be as near the pool as Matt Beasler does because Matt Hedges has shown well in a U.S. uniform. So, I I, I look to see a little bit less from Omar Gonzalez. I mean, I understand his athletic ability and his his strength, but I don't necessarily think that we want we want a little bit of uh, a center back who's able to play out of the back a little more, at least. I mean, not necessarily even play out of the back, but just not make stupid passes out of the back that cause Panamanian counterattacks. So then, in our defensive midfield, we had Kellen Acosta and Dax McCarty. Now, right when I saw this, these two defensive midfielders, I knew that it wasn't going to work as well as Kellen Acosta and Michael Bradley. Now, obviously, Michael Bradley is a little bit more skilled than Dax McCarty. I mean, yeah, uh, considerably more skilled than Dax McCarty. But also, because I don't think that dynamic works as well. See, 
Kalanikosa and Michael Bradley, that combination worked really well because Michael Bradley was able to push forward when he wanted to, drop between the center backs when he wanted to, because Kalanikosa was able to be a steady defensive midfielder. And if Michael Bradley was going to push forward, Kalanikosa has that experience playing in the defense and has that experience stopping counterattacks that... He, he was able to make up for that more free-roam role of Michael Bradley in the midfield. Now, Kellen Acosta and Dax McCarty, basically what you're doing is you're you're pairing Michael Bradley's safety with not Michael Bradley. You're pairing Michael Bradley's safety with kind of uh, like a more Kyle Beckerman uh, brand of midfielder. So it just it wasn't going to work as that attacking of a presence, and it didn't really work that well because I don't think I think Dax McCarty, um, I don't think he did that much, but I he really didn't do anything in the second half, and I think he's part of the reason that Panama was kind of dominating the midfield. Like he just wasn't really seen, and there were a couple other players like that uh, in the attacking midfield, but I I think that Dax McCarty was just too invisible sometimes, and um. And Kellen Acosta, now, you know, he had way too many bad passes and giveaways in this game. I mean, he's only 21, so obviously the experience is going to show. But even so, I, even so, I do think it was a disappointing performance. But I really don't think that we should be too worried about this. I don't think that this performance should reflect on his game as a whole. He's still a very promising midfielder. And I think that if we start him, uh, if we start him in, in big games, he'll, he, can, he can do the job and he's going to develop even more. So... Please don't be too down on Kellen Acosta just because that game, he's he's going to show better uh, in this Gold Cup. Um, and then above that defensive midfield, we had Alejandro Bedoya, Joe Corona, and Kellen Rowe. Now, I thought that Alejandro Bedoya was pretty invisible for most of the games. He's, look, here's the thing about Bedoya. He's skilled, he's unselfish, he's a good passer, but sometimes he just doesn't do enough. He's not able... To, he's not able to play the role of being one of the most talented players in the field. He, he, he doesn't do that right, and that showed in this game. He was brought down in the box late in the second half, and it could have been a penalty, but I really don't think that it was a penalty upon replay. I mean, it's debatable, but and like it, it would certainly be easy to call because I think Bedoya did sell it really well, but overall, I was just unimpressed with Bedoya's game, as I am starting, as I'm starting to be a lot nowadays with Bedoya. Now, and then Joe Corona, though. Joe Corona was... To me, probably like one of the worst players on the pitch. He was very weak. He wasn't involved a lot in the first part of the first half, and then once he started to be involved, he would just lose the ball. And I don't think that he was able to play that playmaker role well at all. I mean, I, I would be willing to see him out wide a little more, but I think, honestly, I think that like Bedoya maybe could have done better in that playmaker role. And I... I I just was really down on Joe Corona's game, but I don't think Joe Corona is going to be a player that we're going to see at the World Cup. But um, I, I, I this was just further evidence of that. So, and then the other attacking midfielder who I thought was definitely the best of of the three was Kellen Rowe. Kellen Rowe uh, uh, playing on that wide right side. He had a couple of good chances. A lot of his shots were straight. Was straight at the keeper though. I mean, he, that finishing is just not one of the best parts of his game. But his touch and build up to Dwyer's goal was really brilliant. And I think his cross actually wasn't that good. I think it could have been saved by Jean Vargas, the defender, uh, before it got to Dom Dwyer. But uh, you know, I mean, 
a big criticism of his game is going to be being beaten on that first cross that led to Panama's goal. But overall, I think he's shown a lot of promise in these in these first few games with him playing on the national team. But I I don't think I'm as high on him as other national team fans are. I don't necessarily think that he's as you know like I I don't think that'll fit as well into the team come 2018 as some other midfielders that that we're going to be talking about because I mean I think in the case of Kellen Rowe you're looking at a player who's promising going forward but defensively liable but when we're looking at the more talented players in the USMNT we either have very strong attacking players like Pulisic or Nagby or you're more two-way players that can get back and defend like Fabian Johnson um, who has that experience playing defense so I don't I don't really see it's possible, obviously, that he could make that team, but I just don't see it happening as much. But maybe I'm just too uh, down and pessimistic just after this game about about these players as a whole. But definitely Kellen Rowe was one of the better players. Um, and then up front, we had Dom Dwyer, who scored two goals in two appearances for the national team. And um, I, I don't think Dom as a player is going to create as much for himself, but rather capitalize off uh, chances created by his teammates and... That wasn't really happening much in this game, but I, I did like his movement a lot of times, and I think his movement, and I didn't get to talk about this because I didn't record an, uh, an episode after after the Ghana game, is really important. Like, sometimes our, our other forwards' positioning can just be so frustrating sometimes. I understand part of Josie's game like is his hold-up play and sometimes to come back to the ball and whatever else. But and and, and Clint Dempsey can try to like create or whatever and come back to the ball. But I don't think the run-making ability is as good as what Dom Dwyer has been showcasing. So I think that's an important. Um, I think that's an important ability, and I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be um, really important in a game where we need to sub on someone to break down to break down a defense that's parking the bus, and where we need to create chances in the final third. Um, I think Dwyer could make some important runs and score some goals in situations like that. So I think he can be an important substitute come World Cup time. And uh, his stri- his goal was just really, in essence, what Dwyer is all, is, has been all, all about, which is just making those runs, getting in be- behind the defense. And, well, I guess in this case, he didn't get behind the defense, but making those runs and scoring the goal. And um, I love it. I, I, love, I love seeing a striker like that. So... Um, I thought he probably, he was, he was just, he didn't necessarily get to show himself as much as he might in a game where our midfield uh, is looking a little bit more threatening. Um, so yeah, I mean, as far as individual players go, I think that's it. Oh, right. Substitutes. So, uh, Aguadello thought he got himself into decent positions. I mean, he was okay, I guess. And then Zardes, he made some good defensive stops, but going forward, he had just some weird shots, and I, of course, there's just those artist moments where you're like, what, why, how are you a professional football player? But, obviously, he, I mean, obviously, you know, he, I, I don't mean to get too down on Zardes, but he just has those moments sometimes. Now, Jordan Morris, uh, I don't think he was really on enough to show himself. I wish he got, I wish Bruce Wiener subbed him on earlier. Um, he didn't really get to do anything getting on the field, but... Um, besides that, though, um, I thought 
like Bruce Arena said many times on the defensive end and in the midfield, we weren't pressing enough, and there was just there was just not much aggression, and we allowed them to get more possession and in turn attacking opportunities. After our first goal in the second half, I thought that they dominated the next fifteen or twenty minutes. They could have scored definitely more goals. Um, I know Torres had a couple other chances I didn't talk about, but especially that Diaz hitter in the fifty-fifth minute. But I think they lacked energy. There should be more. For a lot of these players, this is your chance to prove yourself to go to the World Cup. This is your chance to get Bruce Arena to give you that call-up. But I I don't think I saw a team that was fighting for that. I mean, and some players aren't fighting for that, like Viafania and Acosta, who I thought were, were our starter, like our starters in the World Cup. But, I mean, that's what I'm really disappointed with. Because I'm, I'm not disappointed with, like, oh... This is terrible for U.S. soccer because a lot of these players I don't think are going to be starting, or I don't think should be starting anyway. But I'm disappointed with the lack of effort shown by these depth players, and 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 a little bit by Bruce Arena for for some of the, for not getting on Morris on quicker, and you know just not not giving the proper tactical instructions. I don't think because Panama should not be out shooting us really. Like like we might have a B team, but definitely Panama has a B team too. So I, I don't, regardless of what team we fielded on on uh, on um, Saturday, it's not okay for Panama to draw us. Especially, we're also in Tennessee, we're also at home. So that, that th- those are my basic thoughts on the game. I think that Bruce Arena should make some lineup changes going forward against uh, Martinique, who just beat Nicaragua uh, in the Group 2-0. So uh, I think we should go for some lineup changes, mix it up a little bit, go for more attacking, take the game to Martinique. I really want to see more than one goal against Martinique. If we don't, I will be really disappointed because I think that we have the talent to play a little bit better than we did in this game. And um, uh, overall, I was disappointed with the energy level and disappointed with the tactics but um, and with some of the individual player performances like Villafania's defense or Calvin Costa's bad passing and Bedoya's invisibility, but I, we can move on, it's one result, let's not get, you know, hyperbolic, let's not, let's start, not start saying things that aren't true about U.S. soccer, because in the end, this is a B team, and we do need to show better energy, we are going to get out of this group no matter what, but this game doesn't mean much, really. And I think that U.S. fans should not only hope, but expect a better performance versus Martinique on Wednesday, because uh, we have the talent to show better than this. So why don't we move on to our next topic of conversation, which will be transfers. Um, Our first transfer that we're going to be talking about, and that is probably hitting a lot of English newspapers, is Romelu Lukaku to Manchester United for £75 million plus add-ons. Now, I think he'll be a reliable striker for Manchester United, and I think he'll provide a more consistent presence than Rashford or Martial. We all know his touch can let him down, but... His physical attributes and finishing more than make up for that and make him a top-tier striker. So I think he'll succeed at Manchester United. I think that um, with Ibra, you know, not re-signing, I-, I think that he's that consistent striker who's proven and not in his developmental phase that, that Manchester United needs, and they're going to maintain that. So um, in return, well, not exactly in return because I think it's technically a separate deal, Wayne Rooney will be returning to Everton. Um, I think considering he came on a free transfer... Everton aren't paying the full portion of his wages. I think it's good. I don't think it's impossible to say that Wayne Rooney could get a little bit closer back to his old form with Manchester United. I know he's not the same player anymore, but he has still been putting up good numbers, and I think it's an exaggeration to say that he's washed up or can't compete at a high level. So 
Um, I think that, and it's also exciting for Everton fans because I know uh, that they, a lot of them are still Wayne Rooney fans. A lot of them still love him as a player and wanted them to return. He's a, he's an Everton youth product, born in Liverpool, I think. So I think that even also from Wayne Rooney, you know, he said that he's been wearing Everton pajamas every night or whatever. So I think that he's excited. I think that if he if he wants to get a little bit closer back to the player that he used to be, he needs to be in an environment that's comforting for him. And I think that this is going to be that type of environment. And um, I know Nee Hall wanted me to talk a little bit about uh, Everton's ambitions and transfer window as a whole. So I'll get into that. Um, in this window, Everton have purchased Sandro Ramirez from Malaga, who scored 14 goals in uh, 30 appearances for them. And he's only 22 years old still, so he's got time to develop, and I think he'll continue to do that at Everton. Uh, they got Davy Claussen, a 24-year-old midfielder from Ajax. Um, he's still got room to develop. He performed well there. Um, Jordan Pickford, goalkeeper from Sunderland, uh, did a solid job keeping, and you know he's, he's still very young for a keeper. I, I think like below 23 or maybe around 23. Um, and then Michael Keane, defender from Burnley. I think they might have overpaid for him a little bit, but I understand what they're trying to do. They're trying to get you know buy young players and build a team for the future. So I think overall, uh, you know, some of these, and along with Wayne Rooney, obviously, who I just mentioned, um, overall, I think these trans- transfers are good. You've got that mix of experience with Rooney and youth with some of these other players I mentioned, and I think that they're building a team that can set them up for success in the future. Ronald Koeman, Koeman's first year was last year, and um, definitely, while there might not have been a drastic results improvement from what what was going on with Roberto Martinez, there's definitely better play going on, I think, in certain aspects of the match. It's just that sometimes injuries and lack of talent let them down, and I think they already had a solid foundation with um, James McCarthy, Ross Barkley, Seamus Coleman. They've got, they've got pieces there. Um, the, Ashley Williams did a good job last year. But now they're going to get a little bit more youth, a little bit more, uh, a couple more attacking players, and I think that they're going to do a little better. Now, I don't know if they'll compete for those Champions League spots, but I would watch out for them a few years down the road because this is a team, this is a team that's going, that's it's having a, a pretty good window right now. Um, and another team that's having a good window has been AC Milan. So uh, Andrea Conti, your right back from Atalanta, uh, just signed for them. And they've also managed to get Andre Silva from Porto, very young striker, 21 years old, believe, Halkan Chalhengalu, free kick specialist from Leverkusen. They got Frank Cassier from Atlanta on loan and Ricardo Rodriguez, um, amongst other players. Uh, um, they've gotten defensive reinforcements as well as attacking reinforcements and I think that they're definitely a team to watch out for this year I think that it's kind of crazy how much money they've spent and how little they've sold so I don't know I would watch out for FFP in the coming years but I do think that they've had a pretty good window Uh, I'm not sure they'll challenge top three because I think Roma and Napoli have have such good squads but I think that I think that they can cause those teams a little bit more trouble than they have in previous years because they haven't made it to the Champions League in quite some time, and uh, I know that Milan fans are dying to get back to that point. And um, uh, a couple of these signings are are, are pretty fantastic. I mean, Andre Silva, um, a young striker who's definitely going to get better. Cassier just 
constantly, constantly, constantly dominating the midfield in Serie A. One of the better midfielders, especially for those mid-table teams like Atalanta. And I, I think that I think that he's going to provide a really good presence. Oh, and a- another big transfer that I missed is Musashio from Villarreal, who came over for around 15 million euros, I believe. Um, he's been very solid uh, these last few seasons in La Liga, and I think that he's going to do well to bolster that Milan defense. Again, a lot of these pieces are young, and I don't necessarily think that they'll challenge for anything big next year, but or this year, I guess, but... Watch for them the coming seasons. That they're they're going to be dangerous, I think, and as they should be. I mean, Milan's such a big brand with a ton of money, and they spent so much these past few years. I, I, I they should really be challenging for Champions League spots, and I think they're finally going to get back to doing that soon. So, um, th- yeah, that's that's pretty much all I'm going to be talking about um, in this episode. I know it was kind of short. Uh, I haven't gotten a chance to pay attention to all the Gold Cup matches. I've been pretty busy, but I think as we advance in the rounds. I'll get a little bit more invested in that. We have an email for this podcast. It's soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. We also have a Twitter. That's at soccerbrospod. Uh, Instagram is under the same handle. We have a Facebook. We're available on a lot of platforms such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Podkicker. And um, so you can check us out there, whatever platform is most convenient for you. Review and rate us if you can. Um, I have a new Twitter. It's at ASR underscore style. So it's the same ad as like the other my other ad but i changed that one to my personal account so if you want to check that out please do i'll be i'll be willing to have conversation with you about soccer please email us if you have any questions or suggestions for future episodes um because uh you know it's always nice to have new ideas but anyway i'm going to get out of here thank you so much for listening and i will see you in episode number 74 of the podcast thank you thank you